We'll get back to the calls in just a wee little bit. But joining us right now, as he does each and every Monday just past 2.30, is the former head coach of the Washington Redskins, NFL offensive coordinator, and all-around good dude. You can follow him at Coach underscore Jay Gruden, at Coach underscore Jay Gruden. It is the aforementioned Jay Gruden on air and on the road, Jay Gruden is driven by the Ted Britt Automotive Group, Ted Britt Ford in Chantilly and Fairfax. Your F-150 headquarters, Ted Britt Chevrolet in Sterling, all home to Ted Britt for life, lifetime vehicle coverage, and more. See and shop the ball at tedbritt.com. Jay joins us on the BetQL guest hotline. Hello, Jay. How are you? Hello, Chris. How you doing? I'm doing great. Always brighten, uh, you know, brightens my Monday on a misery Monday uh, when we get to talk some football with you. Um, all right. So three and five. Um, I think, you know, where, you know, the tone of the city, even though there was a lot of encouraging signs offensively, of course, another rotten egg from the defense. Um, it. it <laughs> Why can't this team seemingly get it right? When the defense plays a little bit better, the offense struggles. When the offense plays better like it did for the most part, yes, and I know they weren't perfect, the defense is horrendous. How hard is it to get all these units kind of playing together uh, as a well-oiled machine? Well, it's hard. You know, the good teams figure out a way, though, when one of the units are struggling, the other unit steps up and makes enough plays. Philadelphia's a perfect example. Their defense didn't play very well. Washington's played extremely well on offense, but Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown find a way to get it done, and that's what the great teams do, and that's why a lot of teams aren't uh, where to the stage where, or to the level of the Philadelphia Eagles and some of these other really good teams. Uh, I, I mean, it, it shouldn't surprise anybody that Philadelphia, like, you know, had success for a second game in a row against uh, Washington. <clears throat> Um, you know, and obviously they've had success against others. They tore apart Miami's uh, defense uh, for 31 31- last Sunday night, but did it surprise you, I guess, that Jalen Hurts coming off of wearing that sleeve last Sunday night? I know he wasn't on the injury report. Did it surprise you that without really having a great running game again, that they were able to kind of have the dominance that they had? Jay, they could have scored, you know, 45 or 50 points if they didn't turn the ball over inside the five. Yeah, they turned it over twice inside the five, once at the one. So, yeah, they just looked effortless on offense, and there was really no – uh, stopping them, and there was no uh, real pressure on Jalen. He just looked like he was seven on seven. He was just dropping it to the right guy, and guys were making great plays around him. Don't get me wrong, A.J. Brown made some incredible catches, but Devontae Smith would run a wide open down the left sideline for an easy touchdown and easy completions on third down, and then when they finally get a fourth down, they throw it in completion, call it a complete, and we didn't challenge it. So mm-hmm. uh, just an excellent, really, all-around game by Jalen Hurts, and that just shows how much he's come along. He didn't even rush for – I think he only rushed for six yards, which is if you if – you, said before the game you're going to yeah. hold Jalen Hurts at six yards rushing you'd think you had a good chance and Sam Howell's going to throw for 400 uh you'd say hey we got to we probably blew him out 
not so fast. You know, Jalen still can beat you with his arm as well. Uh, and, and that's really the thing that I've been preaching like early on, even going into that week four matchup, Jay. And, and we saw it a little bit more in that one, although he had like 24 on one carry and ultimately that it didn't hurt Washington. But it, it seems like they are making outside of the brotherly shove. It seems like they are making a big time emphasis, Philadelphia. Uh, in um, uh, in this offense to not, again, have Jalen Hurts be as much of a dynamic runner off of RPO and quarterback keepers, and yet, again, making, you know, they've invested heavily in the offense between drafting Devontae Smith, signing A.J. Brown, um, uh, Dallas Goddard, so on and so forth. Like, that's just how you have to do it in today's NFL, right? Because if you keep running the, the quarterback over and over and over again, it's just going to increase the injury and the wear and tear. Yeah, for sure. Especially him coming off, coming with a little gimpy knee as it was. I'm yeah. sure they were very protective of him. But still, the threat of him running is is there. I mean, you saw one of the big plays that got her. Uh, when the game was tied late in the game, it looked like he was going to run it. He just flipped the ball out in the flat to got her for about a game of 25. So you still have to respect the fact that he can run the ball between the tackles and it's very difficult for defense it stresses them out there's really you know they can hit you at all different levels they run the inside zone very well they have some quarterback design runs if they choose to use them they got the bootlegs the play actions and of course it's true drop back game when they hit Devontae and A.J. Brown so a well-oiled machine and they're hitting on all cylinders all right uh I haven't talked about it a lot because it was pretty obvious that it should have been challenged but it wasn't. Um, everybody is upset, uh, go figure, uh, that Ron did not challenge that fourth and four completion or incompletion or what should have been, I guess, ultimately uh, an incompletion. And it leads, of course, uh, to a touchdown uh, right after that or a couple of plays after that, the second one uh, to A.J. Brown. From your perspective, Jay, if you're having trouble seeing what you need to see, I guess, on the video screen, which is what Ron said, and for whatever reason, up in the booth, they're not getting that information to you. In a spot like that, fourth and fourth, Washington 45, a 17-yard gain that puts them inside the 30 in a tight game uh, late in the third quarter, it, you you just have to go, what the bleep, I'm going to throw the flag anyway, right? Yeah, there's truth to that. And not to mention, there was about eight or nine Washington players on the sideline signaling incomplete pretty adamantly. Right. And a lot of times you rely on the players that are nearby or close to the call uh, that they can see it. Because a lot of times you don't get the replay. I worked with my brother for seven years, and I was in charge of the replay. And, and some jumbotrons, they don't show the replay right away. So you have to rely on people that are closer to the call and some of the players that are on the field. And, and clearly there's you see the side, you see the sideline all saying incomplete right. and that flag should have been thrown. Right. And, and you bring up a good point that sometimes, especially road teams, right, um, for whatever reason, you know, like like at the time they thought, hey, it's a fourth and four completion, 17 yards, and Philly's driving. Sometimes the home team, which is on defense, they don't want to show a good, a perceived good play, which, again, it was initially ruled to catch for the opponent. So you might not get that, and Fox or whoever the network partner is might not, for whatever reason, show the replay right away. So you're almost going on gut feel. But I, I guess – and I don't always trust players either, Jay. I mean, because sometimes players see what they want to see, whatever. 
but but almost like man, even if the players aren't so adamant, you just like gotta take a chance in that spot, considering it was fourth and four, and it puts them inside the thirty. That I guess that's where I come down at. Like of all the things that this staff has wasted timeouts and and mismanaged clocks, and and I know it's hard. I I know it's hard. I know it's really hard. But I, like like do something just to take a chance because of how big the spot was, I guess. Huge play in the game. And sometimes that is worth a timeout. I know it's the second half and you need all your timeouts, especially in the close game. And maybe that was what Coach Rivera was thinking. But on the flip side of that, if it is incomplete and you get the ball, it is a huge momentum swing for your offense. And your offense is playing extremely well. They get the ball close to midfield and, and that changes the course of the game. Instead, Philadelphia goes down and gets seven and takes the lead as opposed to the flip side. Washington could have gone down and got seven. So definitely worth the call there, especially as close as it looked when he was sliding to the ground and the ball was right so close to the ground. You had to challenge that. Yeah. I also wonder if Ron should have been so candid and just, and, you know, because he makes himself look bad. He says, ah, you know, I didn't think there was enough evidence. I mean, it's hard to really dispute that. But instead, he's like, I, I didn't see it. Did what, what? Was it not a catch? Uh, you, you know, yeah. and that makes him, I mean, it makes him human, it but it also makes him look bad, Jay. <laughs> you know, lie, well, it was lie close a little to bit. Sideline is what I, yeah. I I don't understand either. Yeah. It wasn't like it was on the Philly sideline and his yeah. back was to him. No, you're right. His back was they were opened up to him and the ball was facing the sideline. Right. So I don't I don't know. Yeah, what you're right. At. Jay Gruden with us on the BetQL guest hotline. Um like if you were the head coach still and, and what happened with the John Dotson catch, no catch late, uh two plus minutes left to go, uh in a big spot again, uh where it looks like he catches it, but then he's clearly bobbling it, going towards the ground. We lose sight of it a little bit. Uh like it, the microphone is out. There's all sorts of confusion. New York comes in and says, Oh no, no, wait a second, that's not a catch but they changed the call after the initial call like how do you process that kind of chaos as a head coach yeah it's difficult because you know especially as a play call you got to get to your next call you know you got to know where you are in the field and what's happening in the situation and and they keep changing it and, and you just don't understand what the issue is and how New York is coming in and making these calls in critical times and it's frustrating at times as a coach because you know the game's on the line and you got to have the information as quick as you can right um, Emmanuel Forbes was back in action yesterday uh, in a couple of significant spots. Gave up a touchdown, gave up a big, I think it was third and 11 right away. They pick on him. They know A.J. Brown, he's so good. I, again, I, I, don't know, I don't know what you do here as a defensive coach or as a head coach or whatever. How do you, how do you cover up a, 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 and, a, you know, so he's not exposed, but also get him back in some action? What would you, I guess, what would you and your defensive staff have done there in that spot? Well, there's a couple issues. Size is an issue right now. He's getting big boyed right now at the point of attack of the ball, and he's having trouble locating it. And I, I would think they drafted him because his ball skills are so good. He turned the ball over a lot, got a lot of interceptions, but some of these one-on-one matchups where it's him against the receiver, he's not playing big enough to make these plays, and they're taking advantage of him. DJ Moore did, obviously, obviously AJ Brown. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 
did in consecutive weeks. So uh, they got to figure something out. Either get a bigger corner on them or uh, or something. Play more cover too. Get yeah. some safety over the top. I don't know. But I mean, they had a right safety now. on the touchdown, um, and they were y- both over the top of the receiver, which right. is insanity. One has to be underneath for the back shoulder, and the other one has to be on top. So okay. For both of them to be behind them, that didn't make much sense to me. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, what about this um, defensive line? And it'll lead us into the next question. Like, you know, I, I, Montez had a sack uh, and and, a, and I think five tackles. But Chase, Jonathan Allen had, you know, two quarterback hits to run. It just didn't do enough. Now, that's a really good offensive line. But, Jay, I, you know, when you invest those kind of resources – I expect you to win some of those games. I expect you to win some of those battles. That's hurting them on the back end as well, is it not? Yes, for sure. And I think there might be some hesitation to blitz because of the back end issues there. Mm-hmm. They don't want to play any single high and put their corners in any kind of mismatch. They're playing more coverage, and they're trying to get home with four rushers, and they're not doing a consistent enough job to get home. And that's unfortunate, that's why – you see 350 yards passing by Jalen Hurts and four touchdowns. The pass rush has got to get home quicker, and they got to do a better job with games up front, whatever it might be. But, you know, it's disappointing. And, and might maybe have something to do with Sweat and Chase Young's contract and being traded. Maybe they're playing a little cautious and, hey, mm-hmm. I don't want to get hurt. i got a contract coming up. i got to get my money. That could be part of it. But they're just not getting the necessary pressure that they should get for right. a four-man rush team that is, should be as dominant as they are. A lot of callers and I have discussed, you know, moving these guys. I mean, they don't seem to be flipping sides anymore. They don't seem to, like, line up, you know, uh, any of them at any real time in the A-gap on either side of the center. I mean, there's all sorts of things that I guess we could pick on. Um, but that leads us naturally to the next question. The deadline is tomorrow. There's already rumors that Montez Sweat could be heading uh, to Atlanta for a third-round pick, maybe it turns into a second if he signs a long-term deal. Of course, that's, you know, A, he's from that area, but the Kyle Smith connection, and you know this, obviously, because Kyle and you uh, helped to draft, if not orchestrated the drafting of Montez Sweat. Do you think, A, that would be a good spot, especially with Grady Jarrett out, even though they don't play exactly the same position? Or do you think that, um, you know, that there might be a better spot, I guess, for Montez? No, I think it's a good spot. Plus, they play on a fast track out there, and and obviously Kyle knows them, and, and they're still in the hunt for the NFC South, if you can believe that. So they have a lot to play for. They have to play great defense down there because their offense is struggling. To add another pass rusher would be huge for Atlanta moving forward. Uh, what about Chase Young? What would you do if you were the commanders? Because he, I mean, outside of yesterday, he's shown some juice, some pop as a pass rusher. Uh, I don't know how all-around player he is. See, people seemingly have, you know, still concerns about the injury. I, I don't know if I have concerns about the injury, but the injury history would be certainly something uh, that I would worry about. Um, but yet, he's shown some signs here. Would you, like, what would it take you, knowing that he's a free agent and you turn down that fifth-year option, to part ways with Chase Young? To me, it's difficult. You know, I would think they would keep one, either Chase or Montez, right. because pass rushers are hard to find. I mean, mm-hmm. having two interior guys like Jonathan Duran is great, but you need some speed on the edge. you got to have some guys that can run and, and bend the corner. You can't just push a pocket from the inside. you got to get some speed on the outside. That's why we like Montez so much, because of all the running quarterbacks, he could chase them down. To lose both those guys with great athleticism would be a head-scratcher for me. I would think if they're going to trade Montez, they'll sign Chase Young to a good deal. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that makes the most sense, but, but can you, I mean, in today's NFL, can you construct a roster 
that would probably have Chase Young say in that scenario, 24-ish million on average, and I know the cap numbers would be lower at first probably, but when you're paying Deron Payne $22.5 million on average, Jonathan Allen $18.5 million on average. Yeah, but your quarterback, Chris, your quarterback is very inexpensive. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. So you got a lot but of money right now. You, you also have Cam. Defense. You know, you also have Cam Curl. You got to probably deal with, and I know you got plenty of money. You, you know, but you, you can't. I guess you. Here's my point. I don't know if you can improve the offensive line enough. Um, bring back Cam Curl. Sign long term, either Chase or Montez. Uh, improve the linebacker. Like they've got money, Jay. But you you know this. Like you know, money on some perceived salary cap website. That shrinks when you got to pay all those incentives and all the the final numbers come in after the season. So it's not going to be like they're going to be sitting on ninety million, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it, decisions have to be made, and still you have obviously Terry McLaurin. There's got a nice contract, and you're going to have to get some linemen uh, in there as well eventually to help. But you know, a team can be built with the quarterback on his rookie salary, rookie deal. You can spread some more money around, especially on a defense like the Jets have done. And, uh, doing a great job on defense, winning games ugly, 13-10. to 10, And that's kind of what I envisioned Washington being with the talent they had on defense. But right now, you know, Sam right. Howell throws for 400 yards and, and, and they still lose 38-31. So uh, defensively, they got to get better. They got to get more talent, however they choose. If Chase Young is their guy, great. If not, then they better find another pass rusher somewhere. Uh, you know, I, I probably did a bad job here in, in not giving Sam enough credit. Uh, from your perspective, was it as simple as EB and, and Howell just executing a better quick game, or was there something else that you saw be better protection and maybe the changes yeah. on the offensive line? Was there one thing that you that, that jumped out to you as to the reasons why they were so much more successful? Yeah, early on I thought he did a great job just getting Sam settled in. He threw uh, the quick screen to Brian Robinson, uh, two to Terry McLaurin. He threw one to Samuel. These are plays that are getting out of his hands. He's like five for five for 35 yards, no big deal. But they're moving the chains, right. and Sam is protected. You know, when you get the quarterback hit so often and so many times, 40 sacks in seven games, it's important to get him comfortable where he can set his feet and throw. That gives him confidence moving forward in the game. And then you slowly, you know, give him a three-step drop, give him a five-step drop, and he was ripping them. He played with a lot of confidence. The line did an excellent job on Philly's four-man rush, and, when Philly did try to bring that extra backer, they finally picked him up, and he was setting his feet and knifing him. It was Sam's best game, not even close. To his, it was the best game by far, other than the one bad throw, uh, the interception, and the one play on fourth down, which I think Bienemy, I think, would probably like to have that one back as far as a play call go. But I thought Bienemy and Sam did an excellent job. Okay, so you didn't you didn't like that play call on the fourth and one. See, I I mean, normally I would, of course would like to run it, but whatever. They they just hate running oh, the just, football. But 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 getting the ball or trying to get the ball quickly to your best target normally would make on the sense. Outside against a veteran corner, you okay. know, a veteran corner off fourth and one is not going to give up okay. a five yard hitch. Route. Gotcha. You know, that's, gotcha. that's the only thing. Now, slant route, maybe maybe back shoulder fade or something like that where he's running away or maybe shallow cross. Uh, but a hitch route, Bradbury's going to sit on it. Yeah, I'd sit on it if I was a corner. I'm no, that's mean. fair. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, before we run out of time here, the Giants just traded uh, Leonard Williams to the Seattle Seahawks. Um, you know, which you know breaks up part of that 
really good pass rush. But uh, again, the Giants' season, I guess they theoretically had a chance if they would have found a way to win that game. Uh, Dable made some weird decisions there, going for the field goal late in regulation. It didn't work out. Gano missed another one. Uh, I guess some people were criticizing him for taking the ball first in overtime yesterday. Uh, what do you make of that whole situation? Well, the fourth and one, I, I would like to think that I want my best player to convert this and, and then end the game, and that's Saquon Barkley. You know, I'm going to line up in three tight ends and, and let him plow, and he squats 800 pounds, for God's sake. Surely he can get a yard. And if you don't get it, they got to go 81 yard or whatever it is to get a field goal, which they ended up doing. Um, but I, I would like to end the game there personally because you're at the 19-yard line, and it's still a long way to go for the Jets, and, and you have a chance to put the ball in your best player's hands. As far as kicking right. off or receiving, I think that that might have been the only time that you would want to kick off uh, in overtime uh, just because the Jets' offense wasn't doing much. Right. And your offense playing with your third quarterback, not being able to move the ball, you needed to try to get some field position and, and kick a field goal to end it. So I kind of agree with uh, what people are saying okay. about that. All right, yeah. interesting, interesting. And plus the rain, too, and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. it'd be different if it was a 34-34 game. You yeah. know, if it was – if the Philly-Washington game went in overtime and neither team could stop anybody, gotcha. sure, you're going to get the ball first. Gotcha. Jay, great spot. Uh, wish we had more time to spin around the rest of the NFL, but so much commander stuff uh, to deal with. Talk to you next week. Appreciate you as always. Bye, right, Chris. Thanks. All right, there you go. That's Jay Gruden on air and on the road. Jay Gruden is driven by the Ted Britt Automotive Group. Ted Britt Ford in Chantilly and Fairfax, your F-150 headquarters. Ted Britt Chevrolet in Sterling, all home to Ted Britt for life. Lifetime vehicle coverage. See and shop them all at tedbritt.com. Ron Rivera, press conference from Ashburn on the way. Stay tuned. Team 980.